and welcome to another episode of The Full Cart, presented by Riskified. My name is Alon Livnay, and today we have a bit of a different episode for you, as you may have guessed from the intro music. At Riskified, the people who live and breathe fraud are our risk analysts. They sample transactions that were already decided on by the machine learning algorithms, and that's in order to enhance and improve our machines. So you can think of them as kind of like the human X factor in Riskified's recipe. That means they see a lot of online transactions every day. Now, most of the fraudsters they encounter are kind of square, you know, uninspiring. But every now and again, a fraudster comes along that thinks outside the box. Some of these fraud attempts are so outrageous, we just couldn't keep them to ourselves. So presenting to you, four Riskified analysts answer the question, what is the most outrageous fraud attempt you've ever caught? Bar, can you introduce yourself for us? I'm a senior risk analyst in the advanced tagging team in Riskified for four years now. So what is the most bizarre fraud attempt you ever caught? Oh, there's a great competition there, but uh, one that I remember fondly is from uh, six months ago. The order that I reviewed was in a merchant that has a lot of B2B orders. So when you talk about B2B merchants, it's very common to see high amounts because we are talking about large volumes. And also, you might see a billing address that belongs to the business, but then a shipping address that belongs to one of their customers. So a construction company sending materials to a construction site, an IT company buying software for one of their customers. So you could see patterns that are usually risky, but they're really common for B2B. This order was no different. It was for over $10,000 for a lot of batteries, which doesn't sound very risky at first, but you kind of think, okay, electronics, it's something that you can easily move and resell. So it's not safe, even though it's not the first thing we think about as dangerous products, but it matched the business in the billing company. It was an electrical company. It sounds like something that makes sense with the product. And I was able to confirm that there was such a company so far so good. It was shipping to a different state, which is again, common, didn't raise any eyebrows for me. And the email was the first thing that kind of caught my eye because the domain didn't exactly match the company name. It was account at the company name, but the company name was kind of spelled slightly differently. It was hyphenated. Yeah. So I thought I would just check to see that this domain is legitimate. And what I found was a very legitimate looking website for an electrical company. They had all of their services and the company vision and all the nicest pictures and everything. But something seemed off. It's just you, you see a lot of websites and you see a lot of companies and you, you get used to certain things and something just seemed off and I couldn't really put my finger on it. So I spent some time in the website browsing. And I found that a lot of the things that looked like links or buttons weren't actually clickable. They were just images. So I became even more suspicious. I thought, let's check what we actually know. So I went again to the billing details. I know the address for the company and its name. I found it on Google and found the actual website. And it had the original domain that you would expect with the company name, not hyphenated. And then... I saw that they actually mimicked their victim's website. It was all images taken from the original website. So it was just 
like a movie set for a western where you, uh, the town is just one side of the building. Ah, like those old-timey cardboard movie sets. It was really like that. And they attempted the same thing in other B2B merchants. So it was obvious that this was their behavior masquerading as a business in B2B merchants. But now, when I came back to it six months later, I found that they have been at it ever since. They've mimicked other companies as well. And a very recent attempt, I can actually still see the website because the fake ones, they get dropped after a while when they start being declined. But the latest attempt from one month ago is actually still up. And you can actually, I went to the original website and the mimicked website. Can you send me the link? Yeah, sure. I'm sending you both websites. This is the fake one. Okay. Tell me how it seems to you. Interesting. It looks like a company's official website. Like at first glance, I don't see anything fishy about it. And now I'm sending you the original. Wow, they look extremely similar. This one is even better than the one I found at the time. Well, one of the first differences I saw is that the real website is encrypted. I mean, it's, it's HTTPS and the fake website isn't. Exactly. These are the kind of things that you would sometimes see for small companies, but for this like, incorporated company, you would not expect. But it's really easy to miss. Oh, and there's a whole section that's in gibberish. Oh, really? I, I missed that. I didn't see that. <laughs> wow. But you really need to dig to see that it's not the real website. The amount of thought that has been put into creating the fake website and understanding that this is a corporate credit card and that to target the appropriate industries, the, the, the level of thinking here is the highest level that you would see in credit card fraud. It's interesting because it's not the fraud we, we were raised on four years ago. We are looking at things that we would have kind of taken for granted a while back. Yeah, I guess it's the natural evolution of fraud. Yeah, it never ends. Some fraud rings pull out all the stops to make their transactions seem more legitimate. Sometimes, though, they take it too far, as did one head-over-heels fraud ring. Now, a quick note about this next recording. Due to COVID and work from home, the quality on this recording is a bit lower than the others, but it's a fantastic story, so stick it out. My name is Reika, and I have been at Riskified for three years. I started as a risk analyst, and at the moment I'm in data science in the model training team, training our AI models to make decisions on orders. I have a lot of funny fraud stories because for the last three years, I have lived the fraud life at Riskified. They really, really enjoy good fraud. So I wanted to share with you one of the stories from this year on Valentine's Day in one of our fashion merchants. We had a fraud attack against their digital gift cards where fraudsters would just open new accounts and start sending hundreds of dollars of fraudulent orders and stolen credit cards to the most fraudulent email addresses. But what was special about it is that we actually took the effort to write the cheesiest, longest Valentine's Day messages in the gift cards, like, with the most love you are the best thing that has ever happened to my life. <laughs> I really hope this gift card lifts you in life as much as you have lifted my life. And similar really long messages. 
we are in Israel, we don't celebrate Valentine's Day here, at least I don't. So it took me a minute till I realized what's happening, that we have a Valentine's Day fraud ring, where the fraudsters are taking the effort to write these long messages to make the orders appear more legitimate. So fraudsters are very similar to fraud solution companies. They are trying to figure out what makes an order a good order. So one of the things that we also look at is how much effort was put into making the order. In general, what we see is that the more effort was put into placing an order on an e-commerce website, the more legitimate the person is, right? Fraudsters, they are going to do the minimal effort possible in order to get the orders approved. So, for example, messages are something that a lot of times fraudsters ignore. So they think that the more effort they put into each order, the more likely it is the order will be approved. I, I love that story. I think it's very funny that they didn't just write long messages, but they were like heartfelt, you know, love letters. I think that puts a nice twist on it. I remember that after that, I was trying to figure out whether they have dated for Valentine's Day. Like they have been preparing this for weeks, right? Like they had to get, you know, the email set up and get the stolen credit cards. And they probably rewrote these messages. It was really a big night for them. <laughs> Too bad you stopped them in their tracks. Yeah, we stopped them really fast. <laughs> Some goods are riskier than others. Fraudsters love digital gift cards because they act like currency and are easy to resell. Sometimes, however, fraudsters go after goods with a less obvious resale value. My name is Gal Greenberg. I'm in Riskified for the past four and a half years. I've been to many roles in the company and over the past one and a half years, something like that, I'm a risk analyst. One of the things that we try to identify fraud with is the product the customer or the fraudster are trying to buy. And many times through identify that one specific product is being targeted, we are able to understand that this is fraud and not a legit transaction. So one of the more interesting products that we saw many fraud attempts around was a bidet. That's very strange. Yeah, it was strange. Quick editor's note, a bidet is a bathroom fixture that's popular in many countries, and it's designed to help you wash yourself after using the toilet. So it's basically a sink for your bum. So on the first time that you see someone buying a bidet, okay, makes sense, I guess. Some people might need a bidet. Yeah, yeah, I've been to Japan. It's very popular over there. It's very nice. But then when you start to see that a lot of people in a very short time periods are trying to buy bidets, so unless somewhere in the popular culture, I don't know, Rihanna told everyone to go and buy bidet, it's pretty weird. And we were able to understand that although the orders were looking pretty perfect through the very bizarre product, we were able to understand that it's actually a fraud attempts and to block it. So I have a question. I know that one of the things that you look at when trying to identify fraud attempts is not just velocity, how much a product is being purchased, but also uh, what type of product it is. For example, smartphones, they have an incredibly high resale value and they're very easy to resell. But bidet is something that, I mean, how would the fraudster make money off something like that? It was weird to us also, like we are mainly, as you said, 
looking for products that are very easy to resell after the fraudster get it. We don't know what is the secondary and where is the secondary market of bidet. Maybe they're even like sending it to somewhere outside the US where people use it more. Sometimes the fraud story is very clear. You can understand very easily how the fraudster will get the money. Here it wasn't so clear, but when we saw this kind of velocity of a very unique product, we understood that it can be good. And uh, now we know that Bidet is actually a risky product on some of our merchants. It was very, very good fraud. The fraudsters took over the accounts of the legit customers. The IP looked very nice. Everything looked really good, which was a bit hard to identify and to understand that it's fraud. But really through the velocity of the product, we understood it's really fraud attempts. These stories have shown us the links that career fraudsters will go to. But what happens when a previously innocent customer decides to take a dangerous career turn? I'm a mate. I'm an insights analyst in the marketing team, working in Riskified for two years now. And before I was working as a fraud analyst at the operations team. All right, Amit. So what's the fraud story that you have to tell us today? So today I want to tell you about this guy, John Doe, who was a legitimate customer. We've seen him for two years now. He purchased mostly high-end fashion products, and all of a sudden, he decided on a career change during COVID as a fraudster. Wow. How did you notice that? Basically, we've seen him coming back, returning to our system with the same pattern, the same email address, IP, billing information, shipping information, credit card, customer account. And all of a sudden, five months ago, we've seen him returning with different pattern. In this uh, specific transaction we're talking about, we're seeing three different identities. The first identity, the billing information, is one identity of a woman that he probably stole her credit card because the credit card in this order matched to the specific person in the billing information to her address. So you mean he stole both her credit card number and her billing address? Right, right. Because in the United States, your credit card registered on your address. So if we're seeing the same address in the credit card and in the billing information, we're getting this full match and Fraudster believe that this will make us prove them. So it makes it look a little better. The second identity is the shipping information. The address and the name here in the shipping information are the same one as we were seeing before of the Fraudster, of our John Doe. And the third identity is the customer account. The Fraudster did an ATO on this account. It broke into an old account of someone that makes it look like he's a legitimate customer because we've seen him before. It's an old account. We know him for two years and all of his transactions before were legitimate. So we're seeing here in this transaction the same email and also his IP that John Doe used before in his legitimate purchases. So he didn't cover his tracks very well. By itself, all the count looks great. By itself, a full match on the credit card looks great. But if we're looking at the whole story, we are understanding that there is something fishy here, that it's not a legitimate order. We understand there is a fraud here, that he did an ATO on the account, but also stole another person's credit card and billing information. 
Thank you again to everyone who participated, to Barhus, Rekha Esterbodo, Gal Greenberg, Amit Danino. And thanks as always to my co-creator, Amaral Venkert. We'll be back with another episode of The Full Cart. Until then, hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app to be the first to know when our next episode comes out. And if you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. It means a lot to us. See you next time.